1: Welcome to the Poisoners' Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the Dells that We Dell. And it's episode 139! So close to get out of these damned 30s. Ugh, oh, the 30s trouble you're. Going on for an age. <laughs> An age, an age of 30s we've had. And the 40s will just fly by. Absolutely, that they shall. Yeah, It'll be wonderful shoulder pads and smoking and cinema. What more does one want?
2: Yeah, exactly. How are you, Nick? I'm all right. I've got a drink. You got a little drink? Going down very
1: nicely. I also
2: have a drink. Thank yeah. you for making me a drink. Excellent. I did put you to work as soon as you came to the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving rugs. Moving rugs. See that rug under the table with all the computers and
1: podcasts and stuff on that? Move that rug. And I do it. And you did it. Well, the only motivation I need is Nick just to go, you might not be able to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll prove you wrong. God <laughs> damn it, I'll move the house. You are but a lowly, <laughs> weak and
2: feelable lady person. Oh. <laughs> so
1: it might be a bit much for you, you know, so. And then I'm there, just not only moving <laughs> stuff and then rotating the chimney. Now, I I feel like I, I needed a penance because I was quite drunk last night when I saw you because it was a work stew, yeah. Christmas due and there was some, I'd had some wine, Had a wine or two. A wine, after I'd got in there going, I'm only going to have gin. Several rosés later. <laughs>
2: several buckets of wine later.
1: <laughs> Though I do, I did look back at my messages today and it did, make me laugh a lot went to see Nick and Roanna. texted does anyone want anything from the shop <laughs> Nick sends his message and I go okay okay." and I get the stuff and I come in and go here's your Twix and he's like yes thank you I asked for that and then I went and here's some Cheetos and some Doritos and I think we could put them together and you're like what are you talking I've about I've just
2: had a massive curry at my own work too um, uh, exactly and then I, <laughs> I said but
1: so- you texted me and you said yeah I've, I texted you bring thicker socks yes, because it was, was cold. cold
2: and you bought me thick snacks <laughs>
1: I just speed read it as thick snacks. I
2: did have to double joke. Did my phone like auto correct (laughs) me to thick snacks?
1: No, it didn't. That was what was on my mind, clearly. I'd only had a grazing platter and about nine bottles of wine. But I also think thick snacks is a great phrase. And uh, I want people to bring me thick snacks all the time. I've not come across that one before. (laughs) I was really having a problem in the shop. Because I was like, what's a thick snack?
2: (laughs) Is it suitably thick? Pringles. (laughs) No, they're not thick. They're not thick
1: enough. I got you twisted cheese. Cheetos, They're bloody massive. And I was like, oh, this is good. And then we need a dip of some kind.
2: And I didn't eat any of it. <laughs> no. but I, had, sit there, I had a Twix <laughs> oh. and I was fine.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry. the thick snacks a bit much, but a Twix But is. A Twix. There's always room for a Twix. <laughs> yeah, it's always room for a Twix. That's dessert. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, thick snacks are thick in order snacks. next to Thick <laughs>
2: snacks are the way forward.
1: <laughs> People do chip in with what you think a thick snack <laughs> is. What? And it's not just us. <laughs> you know that phrase, right? That's, uh, I no. Mean, you, uh, you call someone a snack. Yeah. And then yeah. you're thick.
2: Is it? Is that a thing? Oh,
1: that makes you so sad inside, oh, doesn't it? slightly dead inside now. <laughs> you need to put that on your Tinder profile. <laughs> Thick snack. Thick snacks. God, you're, you're literally no! crawling <laughs> in on yourself. <laughs> Shush now. <laughs> I just like seeing you uncomfortable. It's funny. Uh, mm. Well, any poisonings this week? Um, Me off too much curry last night. Is it good curry? It's good curry.
2: It was like, oh, I've eaten too much. Oh, I love a good curry. Uh, so that was quite, but not really poisoning.
1: Overindulgence. No. It is the season for it. It is the season for where it. Where there's this constant bloat. <laughs> I am finding that. So.
2: Along with your thick snacks, we've got constant bloat. It's <laughs> a delightful, delightful Tinder profile going on here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Into thick snacks and constant bloke. <laughs> it's like, oh, sexy. Yes, there will be a niche. And they're like, oh, tell me more. That's
2: quite a niche, I feel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not one I want to be involved in, to be honest. I don't know. I was lying in bed this morning, very hungover, watching Love Actually. I need something soothing and Christmassy while eating a thick snack that I'd <laughs> ordered from Deliveroo. <laughs> i.e., <eat> a McDonald's. <gasps> The shock and the shame, yeah. shameful. So I think I've poisoned myself with them um, with with sinful, sinful food, which oh, was delicious.
2: McDonald's see, always seems like a good idea. It was a great idea. And then you have it, and it's like, oh, no, that was horrible. I very, very rarely have, I a have McDonald's. I haven't had one in years. Their,
1: <laughs> their chips are amazing. The chips are good, Can't, no and that's that. what I wanted, and
2: especially when you dip them in a banana milkshake. <sighs> Monster. <laughs> oh, banana
1: milkshake. What's yep. wrong
2: with you? Chocolate about nap, no chocolate milkshake. Banana milkshake, the greatest poison of them all. Banana more. milkshake's the best thing ever. Full
1: of chips. <laughs> Do you ever think of the other way? It just drizzle the milkshake. No, over that's, weird. The no. that's weird. That's, that's weird. weird. That's weird. <laughs> that's a thick snack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've
2: ruined that now for me. <laughs> oh, hate you.
1: Oh, you've not had a McDonald's in Yeah, years. I know. Well no, I don't
3: want one ever again. <laughs>
1: Well, Mm. okay. Mm. Well, speaking of weird food combinations involving banana milkshakes and ruining things for (laughs) your friends and bringing them thick snacks at night, (laughs) which could be read in so many ways. Really good. I think it's time for us to thank our delicious, always thick Patreon subscribers.
2: (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, To Caitlin Dyer. To John Miller. To Fee
1: White. To Alicia. Paul McHugh. And to Tina Claycomb. Thank you very much, darlings. Beautiful, beautiful, lovely lot of Patreon subscribers. We are so delighted you have joined us. We've had fun over on Patreon this week. It was uh, it was a fun episode. Yeah, that was good. I yeah, enjoyed I uh, enjoyed it. It was tasty, 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 tasty Patreon stuff. Some extra stuff coming out in December as well. And thank you to all the Patreons who have helped us with the merch stores, which are back open and live for you people. Requested many times of people, bless your heart, <laughs> who keep saying, like, where can I buy merch? Uh, there were lots of issues with different stores. So we've got two, we've got a UK store, we have a US store, which basically means, yes, there's two locations, but it means you don't pay stupid shipping fees for one mm. place or the other. Have a look, have a browse, see if you like anything in yeah, there. I'm, I'm. Apparently my stuff's been shipped. I'm very excited. Oh, I've well, ordered, I ordered some, stuff too. I've ordered some bits <laughs> and I was like, oh, looking forward to that arrive. There's the Poisonous Cabinet logo, but also we've done some Aunt Gordon paraphernalia <laughs> for the alumni, also arsenic alarms, and uh, some of our most loved catchphrases are appearing on on items. It's all there. Well, Nick, are you ready mm. to drink cocktails and talk about poison as he sips his red hook? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Or, or, or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails.
2: That too. There's many options here. It's
1: Christmas. I mean, yeah. everything's poison with the bloat. <laughs> Poisoned with the bloat. <laughs> <laughs> That does sound like a very really does, old-fashioned vic- way to Victorian die, Victorian sort of. Oh, he's got the bloat. On the death certificate, she was poisoned by the bloat. She fainted to death, and her sister poisoned by the bloat. <laughs> the bloat got
2: her, you know. It's a big bee paints on people's doors.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. Sometimes you want to warn people. Yeah. Like my or stomach is distended. Of a, bee. <laughs> a picture of a bee. Yeah. Like a, bu- a buzzy. bee? Like a, bu- a buzzy bee. And then people are really confused. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> like a big, just letter B in blood is somewhat dramatic and somewhat off-putting. Yes, and <laughs> but a, a picture of a nice bee is a is a warning, but also it's not a bee. terrifying.
1: <laughs> but then it doesn't give you any indication that there's bloat. Then you're just like, there's, is your house full of bees? What's yeah, the problem could, here? I, I
2: can go here. I may get honey. I may get the bloat.
1: <laughs> oh, I like it. The jeopardy. Yeah, the jeopardy. <laughs> Which one's it going to be? Well, you know, screw the Christmas decorations, everyone. Uh, Should we go over the first one? (laughs) Whatever that one was. Let's have a cocktail. Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is my story this week, and we can't, Mm. we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. So my pick, I had quite a lot of sort of random choice in this story, but I went with one because I thought, you know what, I can't believe we've not done it. Mm. The secret ingredient is... Cherries.
2: That's very exciting.
1: It is because love a cherry. Absolutely. That I feel like that opens a world of possibilities for good, classic, punchy, good goodness. That it, that it does.
2: Mm-hmm. There are many, many, many options there. You say you say cherries. That's very exciting. There's cherry brandy. Yes. You guys a the cherry. There's like a cherry liqueur. Cherry brandies we have maraschino cherry so many cherry based options and and actual cherries in and actual cherries
1: I'm hoping there is one in there I like (gasps) to eat them we'll find out Nick what have you devised for us
2: I'm quite looking forward to this one we're having a New York minute
1: a New York minute yep Perfect, because our story this week is set in New York. How marvellous. Hooray. You know what the expression is. (laughs) New York minute is like way faster than a minute anywhere else. It's like seconds. That's the whole joke is that if you're in, it came from, if you're in traffic, by the time that there's a space in traffic, you'll have filled it or a taxi will have gotten in there. There's lots of variations of it. But, you know, in a New York minute is in like nobody's waiting for you. You're going to get that done in a New York minute. Okay. History. History. <laughs> the history of words. By the way of lies. <laughs> mm.
2: By the way of stuff I've just made up.
1: So, a New York minute. I'm mm. excited. I think it is high time for us to sachet into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So, we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So a New York Minute. New York Minute. It's a brown. Brown It's a brown drink, drink yeah. served as well in the very beautiful glasses. Mm. I always love it when you use these glasses. I like these glasses. Do note this when you when we put out the cocktail picture because these are very exquisite glasses. <laughs> now they have a garnish they do which has gone a bit weird why has it gone weird i think they're coffee beans they, they are, co- are i know they're coffee they beans because i saw you put them in coffee beans so that's really intriguing but they also now look like rabbit droppings <laughs> they're, they're not that
2: they're not that they've
1: swollen a bit <laughs> weird um, okay yep. maybe mine are i don't know this the, no, next this, this one this recipe calls for some coffee beans if you've picked this out then i have high hopes <laughs> i think your excitement speaks for itself so should we taste give it a go. dive in merry christmas merry christmas Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. oh that's that's alcohol. Uh,
2: there is definitely some alcohol that's in there. That's
1: spirit forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, moving my, my lips over my <laughs> teeth. <laughs> anyway. Oh that's very smooth. <laughs> Next very <a> happy people. <laughs> Which is good because you seemed to you were maybe on edge when I came in, <laughs> making me move rugs and things. That's tasty that's very smooth. That's good. Mm. Scrumptiousness. Ooh. <laughs> What? Oh no! What's that now? What's, what's that? That's something <laughs> new. <laughs> Sometimes we should film this because the look of wonder in my eyes. Uh-huh. I was looking. at am like, oh, what's that? So it's got hints of a red hook about it. So I think it's got vermouth in it. Has it got red vermouth in it? Has got red. Has got red vermouth. vermouth. And then there's another bit of bitterness. But then there's almost a chocolatey feel, like something smooth and silky.
2: Oh, I don't know. Talk us through <laughs> it, Nick. Can Tell us go. everything.
1: Any, any other? Any other guesses? Well, i going to say bourbon.
2: There is no bourbon.
1: There's no bourbon. But there's
2: no bourbon in here.
1: But it's brown.
2: It's brown. Has no bourbon.
1: Has it got chocolate in it? Nope. No. Coffee? Apart from the beans, no. Nope. Apart from the beans? <laughs> Rum? Nope. Tequila? Yes. What? <laughs> I, I was know, joking. I know you were joking on that one, but yes. But tequila <laughs> is not brown. But then the red this vermouth. Is, I, I don't is. know why I'm going, oh, that's the only thing that's brown. <laughs> oh, oh. So this is a,
2: this is a tequila cocktail.
1: I'm a, I'm, why? No. <laughs>
2: So it, okay. is, it is a base of tequila. Then we have the sweet vermouth, but a really punchy. I've used Puntamés on this one. Yes, it's martine, I thought you might. Have. So it's something really hefty. Maraschino cherry.
1: Of course. Of yes. Of course. <laughs> maraschino. Shouldn't say anything <laughs> with cherry. What yep. am I doing? There's
2: maraschino cherry in there. Um, a little dash of sugar, and then we have some whiskey bitters. Ooh. So if you, know, if you remember a while ago, we did when we did one of our unboxing videos, I randomly bought some barrel aged whiskey. You did. Um, bitters, and these are used in. In here as well,
1: goodness um, gracious! Which I think me.
2: potentially is where some of that chocolatey coffeiness is coming yeah. from, maybe from there, and also a bit of coffee from the beans as well. Indeed, and then just yes, yeah, story, story, sir.
1: That you definitely can tell the difference oh, between yes. your red vermouth, and it is worth if you're really building a serious cabinet. Investing in two types of red vermouth. Yeah, absolutely. Given that it completely changes the complexity of a cocktail. Yeah, that makes that makes all the difference. Yeah. Ooh, no, tequila. I'm
2: really, really pleased with that. I mean, it comes very highly rated because when you said cherry, I was like, right, okay, maraschino. I love maraschino. There yeah. are so many cocktails I love with maraschino. Love it. And gin and bourbon and all sorts in there. So basically, I put maraschino cherry, and this is the second one the second most highly rated the first most highly rated we would already done so
1: right okay <laughs> so it was on different uh, on difference, yeah so what's the first most highly rated i
2: think it was a um, it was a red hook
1: it was a red hook of course of course which um, is a classic for a reason it's a classic
2: absolutely so this is yes yeah, is a variation of that you're using tequila rather than the bourbon i like um, that a but lot. it's really good but i very nearly did a last word <laughs> why would you do that <laughs> which is also <laughs> one of my personal favourites mm. with the gin and chartreuse I thought oh, that's too chartreuse for Sinead so
1: I thought no let's be nice she likes some tequila that's very sweet of you thank you well this is nice because it's something different that we haven't yeah, had absolutely. before yeah absolutely maybe for Christmas we'll have a last word <laughs> oh it's got so many layers <laughs> to it it's a good one layers
2: the damn tasty spit it forward wintry cocktail
1: love it it is delicious well Nick with our New York minutes firmly in hand we've got places to be we well, have indeed mm. Are you ready for a story? Oh yes. Because we are going to New York. Excellent. Serendipity. Serendipity. I'm really glad this worked out. So there are a couple of really good resources for this story. The great book by Paul Collins also found lots of research dating back way back when to the 50s and the 20s and the 30s where people write newspaper articles and go, oh, research wasn't your thing, really, was it? (laughs) But making up shit. Facts weren't your thing, really, were they? (laughs) Oh, no. And this is a tale that harks back to the heyday of yellow journalism. We have mentioned this before but the proper tabloid wars, tactics that they used, all of the mania. But we'll get to that. Because at first, Nick, no, I'm going to take you, come with me on a journey. It's a hot Saturday afternoon. Is it? It's hot. We're in New York City on the 26th of June, 1897. Mm -hmm. And as it's a hot day, some kids are having a nice cooling dip in the East River. Nice cooling dip, having a swim. There's people on the docks and everything around there. Oh, they're having a splash about, these teenage boys. And as they're splashing about, they, they spot a package in the water. And the package is sort of wrapped in... Red oil cloth. Red oh, okay. and gold, actually. It's Fun quite too. it's quite attractive. And the boys are like, hey, you know what? This could Ooh, shine, something shiny. <laughs> something shiny. Santa? But also like, oh, get booty, something else is interesting. So, of course, the boys swim over. They pull it out. They haul it out of the water. And the people who are on the, the, the dock as well come over and help. And they're like, yeah, what the hell is this? It's wrapped up really tightly with string. So they sort of wrestle to open it. Mm. And they're sort of cutting into it. And they're like, it's a little bit spongy. <laughs> That's, like, never, that's never good really, is it? No, oh, it's no. spongy. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, maybe it's a hefty side of meat. Maybe it's like some, some gammon. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Because I, I find some gammon floating in a river. I'm going to go, oh, yeah, that'll do my Sunday lunch.
3: In
1: 1897, sorry, if it's fallen off a, a steamer or some sort of trade mm. ship, you're like, this could be a load of steaks and we like steaks. We don't care how salty they are now okay, or how full of disease in the river, <laughs> but... Yeah, they're sort of trying to cut into it. It's a bit spongy. They sort of poke a hole in it, and that's interesting when it starts bleeding because inside they wrap open. You probably know where I'm going with I'm, this. I'm,
2: I could hazard a guess of what's inside. Really? Is it people
1: bits? Oh, it's a delicious torso. Oh, love who doesn't love a torso? We love a torso. Every now and then we find a torso in the river, in the sea, and we have one today. It is a man's torso. Mm-hmm. People obviously gather around, going shit. And the police and the authorities are called, uh, the newspapers are called, everyone sort of um, wrangles around. But this bit of torso, it has been severed cleanly at the neck, so just above the shoulders. That's pretty clean, this. Lower part, just below the abdomen, so there's a little bit of the torso missing, and obviously Mm the legs, the arms are there.
2: Oh, we have arms? We have arms,
1: we have arms. We have no head, we have no legs and no lower part of the torso. Okay. But they can see it's a man's body. It's quite a, a, a large man. Yeah, quite a, quite a hefty figure. Cleanly cut at the neck, but quite roughly cut from the abdomen down. There, there's a chunk of skin missing from the chest, just above the left breast. Nice. Man breast. Man <laughs> <laughs> What <Well>, it is. <laughs> it's very large man with arms that are described as big and powerful. Later, the reports would be describing this torso because, of course, you find a torso by the river. Everyone goes, oh, my God. Usually, yeah. Rushing. the News. News is happening, everybody. News alert. It would be described that the chest is that of a man accustomed to unusual exertion er. and regular calls for increased lung power. Okay. The flesh is clear and white and indicates that the man was in perfect health. Mm -hmm. The muscles of the body show plainly that their possessor was a giant in strength. Okay. The hands are small when figured in proportion to the evident weight and height of the man. The fingers are small and well shaped and do not resemble in any way fingers of a man accustomed to manual labour. Oh. Exploring, investigating this body to try and find out what the hell has happened, they gather big guy. Big guy. But with very soft, uncalloused hands.
2: Big lung capacity. I don't know, I've, got da- I've got ballet dancer in
1: my head. <laughs> a big old, big old guy. Yeah, big old, He's yeah, huge. Big
2: old dancer, <laughs> chappy. Okay, But not nice. manual labour, but fit and strong and...
1: But you would have to use your hands. You know, you have to use your feet more in ballet, yeah. obviously, famously. But you would have to use your hands more as well. Not, as, mu- not, as, much,
2: not as much as a manual labourer.
1: No, that, that's the notable thing. It's not a manual labourer. But also, ew ew, 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 a body. So <laughs> people are going, okay, is this a murder? Or is it another prank by those pesky medical students. Oh,
2: they're always up to their shenanigans.
1: They are always up to no good. It wasn't uncommon for bits of body parts to be found, and the medical students to go ha 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 ha. We've been cutting up corpses to examine them, and we chuck them in the river. It's just horrible. They think about the medical students because it does seem that there's some precision in the cuts, certainly across the neck, but then the lower part more raggedy. So what's gone on there? Is this some sort of weird hasty prank that has been put together? But it's a story nonetheless, and the New York Press wants a piece of this. Now, as I said, this story is famous partly because of the press coverage it generated, because we are in the time of yellow journalism. We are at the time of two newspapers in New York warring with each other. You have got the New York World, later the Evening World, run by Joseph Pulitzer. (laughs) And then you also have the newly launched New York Evening Journal by Mr. William Randolph Hearst. Uh He of Citizen Kane, fame so these newspapers are going to stop at nothing for a good story <laughs> and they're going to do whatever it takes to get a scoop and exclusive and they will invest money and whatever shady tactics are necessary
2: murdering people and chopping them up
1: y- you would actually think i, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> questions need to be asked <laughs> The lengths that will be gone to. They are creating the news. Dig up stories, expose clues. These are the sorts of tactics that are used where you have got journalists planting evidence. You have got them faking stuff so they've got a news story because no one's going to check. And they just want those headlines. So... Equivalent News of the World phone hacking, uh, particularly on Hearst's paper, the journal, because it's a new paper and he wants to be top. He Mm. wants to be ahead of the ratings. You know, Hearst is not going (laughs) to pull any punches. His reporters, they assemble, they're known as the murder squad. Jolly. You have reporters who have fake badges. Well, they have badges. (laughs) They have guns. And they will interrogate people. They will apprehend them while the police are waiting (laughs) and they will talk to them and they will get whatever information that they need out of them posing as whoever, like, you know, people in the, they will lie. They will pretend to be people they're not in order to get a story from someone. You've also got the equivalent of a sort of a slap fight between Pulitzer and Hearst in the street because their offices aren't far from each other and they may as well be running over going, get off, it's my headline. They will help the police. They work with the police, mainly because they're following the police. Yeah. Literally, I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. The police are in there. There are reporters, one for every man, just standing in there. And, they're like, and if they get something, they will tell the police, but it's going to go in the newspaper first. So yeah, fun, fun, fun. By all means, picture them jostling and fighting over the story as we go. But this grim discovery hits the papers and people thinking, okay, murder or a prank. But then in a rural area in Harlem, uh, Harlem not as developed at this time, Mm -hmm. so a bit more farming area. Some lads are out with their father cherry picking. (laughs) That's cherries. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. And on one report, they said it was blueberries, and I was like, "Screw it, it's cherries, it's cherries, <laughs> it's you bastard!" Be cherries. <laughs> they are burying, as it was called, but yeah, they're getting cherries. Yeah, they're getting cherries from the orchards up there. But they're out, la 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 la, skipping, daddy. What cherries will we get today? Oh, look, a piece of a human. They find the same red oil cloth uh. in a package wrapped around the lower half of the torso nice still no legs but the okay, lower, chunk. But the, so the lower so chunk the pelvis kind of you right, know that, okay. that the, the, the bit with the genitals the bit
2: with the willy on with the, bit with the willy <laughs> on it i think it's
1: sort of down to maybe just above the knee right, okay. but the rest of the legs are still missing but then they find okay another torso and they're like we, we really bit. hope this is from the same person because otherwise christ unwrap it okay the authorities like oh my god this person has been scattered all over the place a day later. Now the timeline is is pretty compact timeline, but I will say a day later by the Brooklyn Navy Yard in the river, a pair of legs, <laughs> a pair of legs are found a wrapped up. So the police are having a lovely time playing jigsaw with the with the corpse. <laughs> Which because where? <laughs> <laughs> like okay, I think the legs go on the neck. You're terrible at this. <laughs> Cut the arms off. Put them there. <laughs> <laughs> Move them around. No, they build. The body together with these bits. All that's missing is the head. Yes, we're lacking a head, and you kind of need a head. It's generally helpful for identification purposes. Exactly, they can't identify the person. Examining the remains, they think they actually conclude that the the victim could not have been dead very long. Rigor mortis has not set in. This murder, flesh, because it does seem like it's a murder. It can't be an anatomy student cutting people up and really (laughs) going to strange, very dramatic suicide. (laughs) I will put myself through the threshing machine and my butler will wrap me up. Okay, this murder has to have happened very, very soon before these body parts have been found. So again, yeah. an indication that the person has not weighed down the, the, the parts at all. The head's missing, certainly. yeah
2: they know it's been chucked off a boat or just washed up weeks later or whatever this, this is Mm-mm. this is purposely dumped. No 30, decomposition, really anything like that. Mm-hmm.
1: which is good because then they can really see the state of this person's health. you know the water has barely even got to them. But who is this person? That's the main thing they need to work out. So the press and the police appeal for information, and plenty of people do turn up. When you have a dead body or bits of a body, in the same way as with the Black Dahlia, weirdly as well, people turning up and go, "I know who it is. It's little Timmy, or it's my husband who left me. It's definitely him. Please tell me it's him." And you do get some tragic people turning yeah. up, going hopeful. Hopeful,
2: absolutely, for some sort of closure on their own issues or whatever. Yeah. yeah.
1: But when they come in, they can't identify. You know, there's yeah. telltale signs on this body that people don't match up, and you are like, okay it's not It's not yours it's not your loved one sorry and also you're mad but looking at the hands going back to the hands of the victim as we said they realise there's not a labourer there's a really big guy so what is the profession of this person what do you think now you guessed ballet dancer well I,
2: well, so, so I thought some sort of performer or something um, if they're I'm thinking who is really incredibly fit mm. and strong and healthy but isn't a yeah isn't a labourer mm. or something like that so yeah some sort of performer or a lion tamer.
1: <laughs> you have to hold a whip. That's good you know, callousy. I, I, yeah,
2: but I also don't think it means not ever used his hands before. No.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I know that. <laughs> There's no signs of use whatsoever. His job was being in a coma. <laughs> it's just, his, his, ha- his hands are limply by his side. Sort of. His job was <laughs> a foot it's
2: model, entirely perfectly preserved,
1: banned from using his hands ever. No, I'm just I'm just saying that if you have to hold a whip, then that's going to be callusy because that's going to be friction. <laughs> Everything you said though, big, fit, healthy guy, yeah. but with very, very smooth, soft hands. And they notice there's a slight wrinkling around the fingers. There isn't necessarily waterlogged. Like, huh, he's a masseuse. Ooh. Beautifully at the time, masseuse, also called a rubber.
2: Oh, nice. A rubber. like it.
1: A rubber. Now, they are able to work out how do they How
2: do they ascertain that?
1: Well there's all these inquiries going on between the reporters and between the press as well and there's one uh, piece in the new york uh, the new yorker actually where they speak to a reporter who was working at the time on this case and they would have it that this reporter was savvy enough that they were going to all the bathhouses and they yeah, would go yeah, to these places yeah. and go oh i've worked out from the shape of the hands yeah, and everything and that yeah, yeah. whether it was a tip-off people will sort of you know embellish this in, in many many ways but they figure out, they're asking who's missing around the area. No mm-hmm. manual labourers, you know, is anyone missing? And they find out that at the Murray Hill Baths, very popular bathhouse in New York, a man has gone missing who works there. Oh. The timeline matches up. So they're making re- inquiries there and they find out that it's one William Golden Seppi. He works there. He's not been seen mm. for a few days. A colleague of his volunteers to come in and view the body. I will quote Frank Gartner comes in his colleague and said he had seen the missing man in a semi-nude condition almost daily. Well, one one would
2: in such an environment. I feel
1: yes, uh, you, you take your shirt off. It's yeah. sweaty. You're going to be rubbing away, and you're going to be strong, and you're going to be doing that. He'd also seen his penis a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, if you're in the baths and things like that, and.
1: Yeah. I if it's
2: a male-only sort of ball house type thing, then mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, everyone's going to be nude everyone's and gonna you be know, nude you're going to be like just... massaging yeah, away with like your towels around you. Um, he said, though, that Gondolseppi had a tattoo of an old girlfriend on his chest. Uh... And he said, I would be able to see by the tattoo. And they're going like, well, oh, that's, that's exactly where, the, that's where it's missing. That is exactly where the tattoo should be. Also, he said that Gondolseppi had a very distinctive penis. -hmm. He was circumcised, but there was a lump of skin underneath it that he regularly used to stretch out. Delightful. Lovely. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's a. I mean, foreskin could have been the secret ingredient. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you you wouldn't have wanted that cocktail. No. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants that cocktail. <laughs> it's a whole
2: different meaning of the word.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I include it because it does come out later on and it is okay. used in court. But still, oh, yes, good. the big bit, 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 of, bit of floppy skin. Frank is telling <laughs> him. Everyone's like, you and you, you two you, really you know good friends, well, weren't you? you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he did. Say, and apparently, Frank did say he used to stretch it out. It's like, in what context? Why? What are you do? Look, guys. Woo.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay but
1: anyway they have a name now oh, where was this bathhouse <laughs> I don't know if it's still there the Murray Hill bathhouse <laughs> but they have a name now William Goddorcepi is German he's actually Turkish apparently by birth his background the details of his background are, are, are not really shared in a lot of the mm. research this case was at one point called the case of the scattered Dutchman <laughs> right
3: but he was actually German I mean, maybe German maybe
1: Turkish. When he was Turkish he was <laughs> like mm, don't let the facts never. get in the way of a good story and Absolutely. in that article they say he's German <laughs> so,
2: right so I've actually never been to Holland at all <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: think the writer had ever been to Europe so <laughs> yeah but they have a name that's the important thing so now the police need to find out mo- about this man and more importantly the newspapers need a photograph mm-hmm. and they want to get in the inside scoop so everyone is now scrabbling we need to get to the family we need to get to his loved ones we need to find out about this man and find out all the stories and the dirty details <laughs> so the investigators find that he had been a tenant in a house in hell's kitchen some people say it's actually on fifth avenue and two different places yeah and, uh, <laughs> But at this house, where he is a tenant, the landlady is called Augusta Knack. She Excellent is thirty-six, German-born. Again, so he's German. He's got to stay no. there. She's a midwife by trade, and her looks are described as pleasing but repellent. Pleasing but repellent. That's a curious does that work?
2: combination. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the sort of. Ugh, marry me <laughs> <I'm>
2: saying, Not <laughs> sure how that works
3: I don't know I don't, Whether it's something That you
1: know is bad for you But you keep going back for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> It does remind me When I heard that phrase It reminded me of a friend I think I might have told you Who tried a bloody Mary And kept going, and every sip he'd go, blur, blur, but then kept drinking it. He's (laughs) like, I like it, but blur, but I like it. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, there we are, pleasing but repellent. Pleasing but repellent, yeah. She was also described in different reports as about 200 pounds with a wide, flat face. Small (laughs) eyes, not much of a nose, and a sullen mouth. Okay. She is a barrel of glass. She sounds grand. Yeah. Now, Augusta does seem to like being very, very close to her tenants. Just very... Very close. She was married previously. She apparently had had seven children. Uh, they, they don't figure in this story at all. No. They just, they happened.
2: They happened. They but she
1: was married to a baker named Herman. Uh, baker, he, he drove the delivery truck for the bakery. Yes, but right. they'd separated. They'd separated. Okay. Golden Seppi had moved in to the house and then when husband went away he moved into Mrs. Knack's bed okay yes him and Augusta shacked up <laughs> now there was a bit of interesting business with the press before the police even got to talk to Augusta again from this report that was given to the New Yorker in the 1950s by a reporter who had been on the scene um, a man named Neb Brown and he used the most elaborate way of getting <laughs> a photo of William which I'm going to paraphrase here off script He basically bought up lots of fancy soap, right? lots of lovely, lovely soap, really good quality soap. And he went round to the neighbours of everyone else in this tenement building, Mm. everyone apart from Augustus. And he went to all the housewives and he was like, we're giving away free samples of this lovely soap. And if you like it, I'll come back later and you can pay a nickel for it. And he knew it was really good quality soap. So he'd paid for it. He's posing as a soap salesman. All the women... Get their samples of soap, apart from Augusta, and he knows that all the women are going to be kind of chatting. They're going to be yeah, out on the I'm fire sure. and escape. She's going to
2: be going. Where's my soap? Where's
1: my soap? With the amazing soap, because if he went around and knocked on the door and posed as a soap salesman, she'd ch- close the door in his face, yeah. probably, and go off. So he builds up demand <laughs> for the soap earlier. Then goes round to her apartment, according to his story, knocks on the door and she's like, where's my soap? Where's my soap? I've heard about this soap. And he's like, oh, yes, madam. Oh, of course I'll give you a sample. Can I come in? It's like, yes, get in here. I want my free soap. Um, <laughs> gives her the soap. She goes away and she's like, yes, I'll pay you the nickel for, for the soap. Goes to get the purse and he sees a picture of William <laughs> on the side of. he nicks it. He nicks it and walks out <laughs> with it. <laughs> Okay. And it's a very elaborate story. But it works. I mean it works and the retelling of it later, I mean it's bloody oh it's it, it's painful to read to a <laughs> point actually, but great idea but he nicks it so the newspaper has a picture of William. But once That Gundelseppi is labeled as the victim. William Hurst also then buys the lease of that tenement building. He buys it so that he can position his reporters as (laughs) dormant. He can stop anyone who thinks that they have got the the rival paper, the world, any of the reporters can't come into the building. Again, allegedly, he had his reporters cut the lines of all the payphones in the area so that if any of the reporters were on the scene and they had a story, they couldn't bring it in. This is, th- this happened. Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> so deter What else is there? There's no, there's no internet in 1897, Nick. Did you know that? I don't know, really. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is how important
2: the, uh, a scoop was. But what we think that the amount of money they would make from selling those papers was going to justify buying a building.
1: Yeah. It was fun. just the lease that he or, got on the apartment, allegedly. So, so
2: or yeah, rent, renting an apartment and doing all this this stuff.
1: Apparently, the journal sales, which was a new bill, a new newspaper, over the course of this investigation, by the tri- by the time the trial involved in this story happens, the circulation had doubled. Yeah, readership circulation had doubled so it worked yeah absolutely <laughs> obviously worth it. it it worked but the police get into the apartment <laughs> pushing <laughs> past all the reporters and they have questions for Augusta one would hope yeah yes Augusta okay so Gondolseppi lived here and she says look I don't know where Gondolseppi is and I don't care because you know he was seeing another girl on the side you know but it doesn't matter because I never saw him naked never saw him naked and he's <laughs> he's alive He because he's been writing to me and I've been sending him money so yeah Roundabout way of saying yeah. that. She's a very stout, very kind of, gives nothing away, but mm. but says, oh, Gunnosepi's alive. He's been sending me letters all weekend. Uh, the Telegrams, telegrams, asking for money, and I've obliged, you know, I've, I've looked after him. Okay. Okay, uh, the police are like, we're going to note that you are literally clearing out your apartment as you're <laughs> saying this. You have steamer trunks packed mm. to go back to Germany. You're yeah. selling everything up and you're leaving the country. Interesting. Can we also see these telegrams that he wrote you? It's like, yeah, here you go. Okay, his name's spelt wrong. <laughs> he spelt them with a six. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. So there's also reports in a stroke of I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is genius or just madness. The police, and this is a very short timeline, so this mm. could be a hyperbole, but apparently open the door of the apartment to the to the sort of corridor outside, and they've propped up the legs from the corpse outside go do you recognize these legs
2: okay i mean that's one way to get an idea i suppose
1: <laughs> and she just goes how am i supposed to know <laughs> probably going to you've to just got weird legs, legs. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty mm, okay her the legs do you recognize these legs no, <laughs> no really what don't? what's what happening what are you doing <laughs> But regardless of, of her leg denials, <laughs> thrice she denies them. The police remain suspicious because she, she's, she's weird. You know, the leg thing didn't work, but she's she's just been suspicious enough. So they bring her in and go, no, 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 you're coming down to the police station. Hmm. They do find she's got $300 stuffed in her corset oh. that she had taken out for a bank account. Like, I'm just busting with money. Now, it also transpires later on that an undertaker nearby that she knows quite well for a midwife... <laughs> He says that he rented her a horse and Surrey a couple of days beforehand. Her and a German gentleman. Oh. Ooh. She goes, never met the undertaker before mm-hmm. in my life. No idea what's going on there. He's like, well, we have met. <laughs> now they think, okay, we've got Augusta in here. Something taint right. No, yeah. We need to talk to the men in her life. The other men in her life. For she was married, um. as we said. So they're going to turn to her husband. Husband yeah. Herman.
2: Herman, the husband. Mm,
1: Her- Herman, uh, the separated, rejected. Maybe he's got things to say. Maybe it was not a butcher that cut up the man, but a baker with his rolling pin and his cookie cutters. Yes. Apparently the journal reporters hear about okay they want to try and get hold of the husband they chase him down in his van where he's trying to deliver bread i'm sorry it's not even a van it's a it's a cart yes a horse and cart it's like it's 1897 so they jump on the cart and then you're coming with us who are you sorry (laughs) and and they say there's a chase a chase ensues through the streets of new york nice where he's going get off my bloody Trap! What's happening? And they're like, no. Oh, and he horsewhips them. He's fucking like hitting them with the whip. <laughs> and then the police are called and they're like, oh, we're bringing him in for questioning. And the journal writers are like, yeah, yeah, we helped, we helped, we helped yes. apprehend him. And they write about us. it. Mm. Oh, in the evening, po- oh, in the evening edition, it's like, oh yes. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> they bring the husband in and sort of say, oh, okay, you've, you've left your wife. What's gone on with this body? It turns out he has a cast iron alibi. Andy. Which I think we could all relate to. He had been out drinking all evening. He was on the sesh. He was on the sesh. He was on the sesh and he had many witnesses who confirmed he was on the sesh because he was leading everyone in drinking songs. Excellent. In the tavern he was at. He was singing away all singing night.
2: Singing away. Good for him. Yeah.
1: So they, so they write him out. They write him out completely. Not him. But then it transpires another man oh. had been lodging at Augusta's house. not oh. her lovely lodging house. Because once Golden Seppi had moved into her bed, another man moved oh, into the spare room. There was a spare room. room, absolutely. There was a spare room and spare person for shagging. Hmm. Now, this man turns out to be a barber called Martin Thorne. And Thorne cannot be found. Oh. By the police, by the reporters, they're digging around trying to find information on him. Now, it may be that he was at first, they got got a false name. They didn't get the name Martin Thorne. I think Augusta gave them a different name. So there is a report that one detective goes to every barber in the area (laughs) to sort of casually talk to the barbers and see if they find out stuff. Now, I don't understand why he couldn't just go in and go... Do you know this man? Do you know a barber? Well, we're investigating this, but apparently he goes in and gets shaved everywhere, every single time, every single time. And there's only so much so much hair on your well, body. What
2: exactly it's the life of fifth barbers? Day. You haven't got a face. Left. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like... I need a skull polish, <laughs> sir. He's going
2: to one barber and go, just do my side, my left sideburn, just that bit. <laughs> also, <laughs> do, do it, this man?
1: Do it in sections of all the
2: barbers in the city.
1: The tactic works because he does eventually get the name of Martin Thorne from a barber who confirms that Martin and Gondolseppi, he knew him, they had had a vicious fight. Oh. A really vicious fight over Augusta. And it had resulted in Gondolseppe beating Martin savagely. Oh. Absolutely battered him. And Martin had ended up, Martin Thorne had ended up asking th- around to different barbers, like, I need to get a hold of a stiletto. <gasps> A knife, Sorry, not no, the shoe. No, for nice pair of heels. <laughs> That'll impress Augusta. <laughs> Absolutely. We want
2: to try something different in the bedroom.
1: <laughs> but yes, he was asking about knives. He was even asking about poison. He was asking about chloroform, oh. about how to use it. So, okay, this is interesting. At the same time, the police also get a tip-off mm. from Long Island. Oh, oh. A farmer in an area called Woodside in Long Island. And he says, his ducks are very sick. <laughs> Okay. They're also covered in some red goo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. One write-up for this story was the case of the crimson ducks. (laughs) case of the crimson ducks. Excellent. Well done. Well done. But he says his ducks have been getting sick from the water and from the area, obviously, where they've been feeding. They've been getting sick. And also they've got a red residue on their feathers. And they think it's related to an empty property that's in Long Island. Also, I found his head. <laughs> the ducks first. He spent twenty minutes arguing yeah, about his exactly. ducks. My he... ducks are sick. My ducks. Oh
2: yeah, there's a head.
1: <laughs> the police obviously head up to this property. Duck mm-hmm. duck squad is sent I'm out. Ducks, so duck squad on the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The ducks are ill. I would be first out there, obviously going, screw the murder, the ducks. <laughs> the ducks are my friends, don't talk to me. <laughs> Imagine me interviewing them. Quack once for yes, twice for no. That was three times. Oh okay, I will go out with you. <laughs> Anyway, they go up and help the poor ducks. Now, they go and investigate this property. It's vacant. But they find out from the, the, the owner of the property, the landlord, who said he had rented this property out to a Mr. and Mrs. Brown. Brown. So brown. But German. Quite German. Brown. Brown. I mean, it might just be Brawn, but I've just gone, Brown, because <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like Brown. Otherwise, police show the landlord a picture of Augusta. He says, yes, that's her, Mrs. Mrs. Brown. <gasps> Augusta rented a cottage...
2: Sneaky behaviour. ...with a
1: man. And interestingly enough, the landlord said, yes, a man and woman turned up, and then another man turned up Mm. a bit later. But only the man and the woman left. And then he left without a head. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this landlord is watching that property very (laughs) fucking closely. He's just like, please be sex people, please be sex people. Oh, you baby murderers. Mm, I'm out. But the police go in, and in the property... They find a knife, a saw, Mm. and a gun covered in blood. Now, I will say there are two sets of reports on this. This evidence is found. Some people say it's found in Augusta's apartment. Others say it's found in the cottage in Woodside. So I'm just going to say that both because I was a bit like, okay, which is it, guys? Which (laughs) is it? Make up your minds. Who am I going to choose? They also find gunk in the bathtub. Oh, in the drain no one
2: wants gunk in the drain
1: and the drainage system has been producing some red shit <laughs> and that's making the ducks very sick mm. so they've got a crime scene they've got augusta they've got the name of martin thorne but where is martin thorne has he fled the country will they ever find him and i think that's time for a break <laughs> the tension is killing me <laughs> you need a massage i really do So Nick,
3: yes, we
1: need to find Martin Thorne. Where is he? And if you're going to try and run away from the police, if if you are a suspect, you're gonna probably want to keep a low profile. One would you? assume, yes. Yeah, keep your mouth shut. yep yeah. Luckily for us. <laughs> I'm
2: feeling he's hired a billboard with a big I am here sign. Or
1: <laughs> he's <laughs> clacking around he's, those stilettos. He's now
2: on the stage or something like that, <laughs> like headlining <laughs> Carnegie Hall or something.
1: I <laughs> cut a man's head off because um, it was the style yeah, at the time. <laughs> I feel he's
2: going to be less than subtle.
1: Mm. Well, he doesn't hire a billboard and he doesn't <laughs> clack around his stilettos and he doesn't open a one man show saying how I did it. <laughs> Uh, the latter he may as well have done because he decides he has to tell a friend everything that he's done right. to get it off his chest. Is
2: his friend a journalist by any chance?
1: <laughs> it's not a journalist. <laughs> the friend is a wise man right. because he talks to another barber, a man named Gotha. Gotha and his wife turn up to the police station mm. going... Oh, <laughs> we've have, have heard some shit. <laughs> we, we, we heard some, we've <laughs> heard some terrible things. Thorne has come to Gotha and confessed this crime mm. and they have gone straight to the police yeah, good wise, wise 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 people sets out the whole story and then Gotha's story is related to the police and this is sort of the the cornerstone of the of the case in in terms of getting an indictment for both augusta and martin thorne thorne of course of course had moved into the apartment and started shagging augusta of course when Gondolseppi was out when he'd gone out to massage yes. and to rub a men down. They and, had to stre-
2: and to stretch his penis. Stretch his
1: penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he needs to be a strong man. Well, absolutely. He's got to be ready for Augusta.
2: So he's, all that stretching going on. and
1: that <laughs> how so he limbered up? Oh, exactly. God. Here's my penis. Snap. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, and he was circumcised as well, badly, badly, but apparently, sadly, so, yeah, apparently, very badly. Hey. But yes, yeah, so when he was out of the house, <laughs> they they were at it and they were knocking boots. And indeed, Gondolseppi had come home, found out about their liaison, um, and this is when this attack on Thorn happens, as was said before. a huge guy; he's a big guy. Thorn had apparently drawn a gun <gasps> on Gondoseppi like, "Don't you, know, you come at me." Gonacepi had just taken the gun out (laughs) of his hand and beaten the shit out of him. Okay. With it. So much so that Thorne ended up in hospital for four days. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, absolutely pummeled him. Teach him a lesson. Stay Mm. away from my woman. Thorne is humiliated and moves away moves out of the apartment he can't keep yeah. living there and keep getting a beating every day moves away the, the affair continues apparently augusta okay. says right. you know she wants to keep seeing him and she just oh she so wishes something would happen to gunderson she doesn't she wants to leave him but uh. he's an island man and all of this then Thorne starts to talk about like he needed to teach him unless he needed to get even with him and so begins to ask about knives and poison and what you could do to get away get get rid of someone mm. And so it turns out that him and Augusta see the advertising for the Woodside Cottage for rent in Long Island. In a roundabout way, they go, Okay, we'll put some money down for it. Augusta pays for a lot of stuff. Mm. She's forking out the money here. She's a midwife. But we'll come back to that. So they are
2: doing under the counter things. Yeah. Maybe.
1: (laughs) But they rent the cottage. Thorne goes ahead up to the cottage and Augusta says to Gondolseppi, come on, I've got this cottage. Let, let's see this beautiful new house. We're going to go, is it, you know, whether she says it's a weekend home mm. or a sex pad or why don't we move here, brings him up to the house, shows him inside, go upstairs and check out the bedrooms. He walks up the stairs. He's confronted by Martin Thorne mm. And Martin Thorne says he shoots him point blank in the head.
2: Yeah, that'll do it.
1: Shoots him in the head. Gondolseppi falls down, is not dead.
2: Yeah. Uh.
1: But he's not in a good way. Not in a good way, no. Thorne carries him to the bathtub. He describes Gondolseppi as snoring, making his death yeah. rattle. And in the bathtub, he cuts his throat <laughs> and then cuts him up. Yeah, well, will Hacks him into little pieces. Well, not little not, pieces. Not that little pieces. <laughs> three <laughs> pieces. <laughs> three three pieces. It fact. was little to him. He was very short. <laughs> Augusta went out and got the red oil cloth. There's some reports that they both go out, but they get the distinctive red oil cloth. Mm. The police are later able to track that seller down yeah. and they say, yep, we sold it to them. They wrap up the body, the three different parts of the body. The head, Thorne puts in Plaster of Paris. Okay. He has some Plaster of Paris for some reason. Oh, but, well, um, well, yeah, well, 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 that's what does. Puts in Plaster of Paris, takes the body parts out, and throws the head in the river, and the head sinks. Yeah, Absolutely plummets to the riverbed. The rest of the body parts he throws in at different areas... But they don't. They sink for a bit, but they don't stay under. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't really check, and he hasn't loaded them up with stones. Whatever's happened, They're he's not going. to Yeah, he's not done a good job in that because they all pop up like hello. So finishes his story. Go through the barber is probably sort of like hunched back in his seat, mm. going, "Why did you tell you me know why? this? I didn't need to know any of this. We're not good friends." Yeah, infers that after he says it, Thorn then says to Gotha, "Oh, I really wish I hadn't told you <laughs> all of this." So go this straight so to the do police. I, mate. Go, I'm I'm going to be killed. I am going to be killed by this man because if this is true I'm fucked. And so the police of course go right let's set up a sting. Let's okay. set up a sting operation. Gotha arranges to meet Martin Thorne. They choose a venue. Uh, I think it's a it's either a cafe or like a soda fountain. So they're there, and all the police are there <laughs> in undercover all in, disguise. in disguise as farmers chewing an ear of corn. <laughs> Some people are sheep
2: one's the fountain one's, <laughs> one's a, a hedge <laughs> one's a
1: duck covered in blood <laughs> and that and the reporters are there as well like I'm doing nothing I don't know, yeah. they're all fake eating some eggs <laughs> one's crammed into it like a pram <laughs>
3: <laughs> wah,
1: wah. <laughs> thorn turns up for the meeting of course the officers pounce yeah. and they arrest him they begin the search for the head in the river mm. through this they are dragging the river to try and find it and the police and the reporters are competing they are competing <laughs> to try and find the head who's get it? first absolutely (laughs) because they're not going to tell each other because they want the the reporters want the exclusive William Hurst pays for like a world-class diver (laughs) <laughs> to be there in the boat and they're like alongside each other like yeah. picking the at each other people are lined up on the banks
2: <laughs> who's gonna win
1: literally <laughs> shouting stuff cheering slogans and stuff like heads heads you win tails you lose I think apparently is nice. one thing they shout <laughs> people are like popcorn like great who's gonna win <laughs> uh, the police are dragging stuff and of course they don't tell each other anything that's pulled out of the water if it's a zebra, rock yeah. or if it's stuff like that they go like what have we got nothing, nothing maybe, maybe I found it's it ahead. we're just gonna take this back to the office aren't we and they also, carry on looking. Carry on looking. <laughs> Long story short, they never find the head. <laughs> they never find the head. They keep the charade up for ages. But the head is important because without it, people can still go, well, how can we absolutely tell yeah. that this is William? This is this is him. Augusta and Thorne are indicted together and charged with murder. Thanks to all of the newspaper coverage. People are absolutely glued to this story. Gotcha. Fascinated by Augusta. So she gets multiple requests while she's in prison for people wanting to deliver her flowers. They want to come and talk to her. They want to send her love letters. Yeah, they well imagine. want to yeah. visit. And when she's asked and said, well, do you want visitors? And she said, I'm not interested in seeing people. No. but. Charged them a quarter ago. (laughs) Nice, I like her. (laughs) Now, Augusta, while in prison, on one hand, is gloating that she's going to be acquitted. She's positively Mm. happy, jolly, dancing around her cell. Her cellmate says, oh no, she was great. She was saying, oh no, I'm definitely going to get off. But she writes a letter to Thorne. She's able to, to deliver a letter that she sends with some potatoes.
2: Oh, nice, handy.
1: Potatoes could have been it's the secret ingredient. A,
2: it's good to have a nice. Then we could have any manner of vodka cocktails. Oh, we could have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I thought cherry, cherries, nice. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she sends some potatoes. Here, dear, hard. Here are some potatoes. But she writes this letter of total woe of uh, We're definitely going to go down. Oh, we're going to get committed. There's no hope for us, my love. If you hadn't talked so much, uh, and it would just be so much better in so many words. She said, it'd be so much better if we just ended our lives, if we just killed ourselves. Wouldn't it be better if we just went that way? Oh, well, take care.
2: Oh, she's a cunning little thing. (laughs) (laughs) She has no intention of topping herself.
1: (laughs) Let's do it together. He did reply to her. And he said, you wrote of self-destruction. That would be best. But not before all is done to gain liberty. So he writes this letter sort of saying, you know, I agree with you and I I, I have a morphine subscri- uh, prescription that I can get some. But after the trial is <laughs> done, oh, let's let's try done. everything. And she's probably going, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> the reason we know what's in the letters is because the person delivering the letters takes them straight to the journal.
2: <laughs> well, he must be paid a pretty penny for that.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, he's
2: going to be going, fuck fortune to oh. get to reveal that content the
1: journalists are going to be saying you get anything from them we will double whatever yeah. you are being paid by the inmate because you would pay and say well we'll deliver yeah. my letter everything so everyone's reading it and putting it in the press and they're like oh for god's sake you know <laughs> well, so she's like damn so yeah is she trying to say to him you curl yourself before you stand trial because you are just chatting away yeah augusta does give an interview to the world not to the journal mm. will person. oh god damn it she doesn't say anything about Thorn. She doesn't say anything about Gundal She just talks about her husband, Herman, saying he was just a brute and he was an abuser and he was physically abusive and he was a philanderer and he was awful. But she just says about Gundal he's still out there. He's still out there.
2: Well, his head is still out there, yes. His head is, but she's <laughs> implying
1: he's still alive until they find the head. She's like, nope. But we've identified his penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very weird penis. Herman reads this straight to the papers and go okay fine I've got a story for you Augusta midwife Ah, she's an Mm. abortionist yeah yep performing (laughs) illegal abortions not only is she doing that few people have died (laughs) few people have died and she's gotten rid of the bodies she's either burned them or she's got a deal with The Undertaker around the corner. Around the one around the corner. Or she's given them to medical students. Because she's been paying everyone money. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. she's found a second income. So this whole thing <laughs> that she's an abortionist. While Thorne's motive may be clear if the story is to be believed that he was jealous and he wanted to to get revenge on Giuseppe for, for, for humiliating him and beating yeah. him and then to be with Augusta. Augusta's motive it suggested that Gondolseppi had threatened to expose her nah. as an abortionist and said, if you mess me around, I'm going to tell everyone and you're screwed. Yeah,
0: really and you're screwed.
1: going to go to jail. So the trial of the century it begins. Really yeah. Extra seats are brought in. <laughs> Food vendors, about <laughs> 10 new taverns are opened. <laughs> so everyone gets a few drinks. Yeah. in One thing again, the race... To get the exclusives. So so the the courtrooms have telegraph wires set up so you can so you can telegraph soon. That's not enough for William hurst
2: Oh no. Is he set a printing press up in the corner? <gasps>
1: nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. another another means of communication. Okay. How could he
2: get the news really quickly? Has he got some some sort of like children running around the place or children? Why children? Why children? Some when horses.
1: <laughs> no. Pigeons. Oh, God. <laughs> He's got homing pigeons. He's got what, well, carrier pigeons who well, he just has it set up that they fly straight to the window to of office. the journal. Just go, cool. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> that's not news. <laughs> she said, cool. Write it down <laughs> immediately. This is amazing. For the defense, uh, Thorne hires a notorious law- lawyer of the time, uh, Mr. William Howe, who is known for his ruthless tactics. He is called the Johnny Cochran of the time, who will go for anyone. Um, he apparently once got a man off for murder a murder charge by implying the man's four-year-old daughter committed the crime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: It fucking works, uh, Yeah. It worked. <laughs> and there we are.
2: All you need is a reasonable doubt. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and he's going to go with Gondolseppi is still out there. Yeah. Still out there, you don't have the head this could be can't anyone you all say this people have weird penises and there is no tattoo there is no tattoo so how can you say it's him really yeah. you can't positively yeah, ID him true this is of course countered by the Murray Hills bath staff who mm. do take the stand and they talk at length about <laughs> his weird that, penis that
2: great length
1: not only do they talk about it but the penis is in a jar I'm sure it is on the <laughs> exhibition <laughs> stand people are gasping fainting what is go- Like, they go, well he has a big weird bit of skin under his penis it is, in the jar, and this shriveled little cock is there, like, hello. <laughs> okay. It's not how you
2: really want to be remembered, is it? It's about penis in a jar and a
1: corner. <laughs> I mean, it's a way to be, it's a way to go. But as the trial goes on, you think there's going to be a big battle. It's Augusta who confesses. Hmm. But confesses her way.
2: Yeah, of course she does. Of course
1: she's going to turn state evidence. She's yeah. going to say. She paints the story of her living happily with Gondolsepi, and then Thorne Angered after his beating, coming to Augusta mm. and telling her he wants to get back together with her, then threatening her, then saying he wants Gondolseppi's head and she has to go along with him. She is just a poor, innocent woman. She's a victim in all of this. In loved him, loved him, and had to go along with his murderous plans. How awful. Ooh. Thorn, in return, claims it's Augusta who's killed yeah. Gondolseppi all along. All along. He got to the cottage in Woodside. He was already dead. He'd already been shot. He'd already been attacked. And the body does apparently have signs of being stabbed and putting up a fight or a struggle okay. that doesn't quite correspond with Thorne's versions of There's events a, yeah. that he first said, that, which is which There's is a, a bit gun weird. A gunshot through the head. is that A gunshot through the head and you then he cut his throat. So, you know, what's going on there? Okay. Uh, but he says it's Augusta. It's Augusta who's done all of this. He decides in court. Maybe, the you know, before when he was telling the story to Gotha, he was trying to protect Augusta. But now, oh, they don't care. Yeah, absolutely They're going to... Well. Go for each other. His lawyer, Howe, presents Augusta and describes her as Lady Macbeth and all of the Borgias combined. Okay. And he said of Thorne, he said, From my first interview with him, I found him saturated with chivalry, ready if necessary to yield his life as a sacrifice to the Delilah who has placed him in this present position. Mm, Compelling stuff. There is a second trial First one collapses because one of the jury members passes out from appendicitis. <laughs> okay, in the middle of it, and they have no alternates or anything. Yeah. At the like, oh shit, we need a new trial. Start all that again. Mm. But yes, this back and forth with Thorne giving evidence, claiming Augusta had shot Gondolseppi. It was her all the way through. Other witnesses coming up, uh, children claiming, Augusta was at home the whole time. I saw her every day. Money, Mm. please.
3: Yeah.
1: You would think. You would think. But in the end, after three hours of deliberation, the jury finds Thorne guilty of murder Mm. in the first degree. Augusta is found guilty of manslaughter. Yeah. Because she turned state evidence. Mmm. Thorne obviously gets a death sentence. Mm. In August 1898, he goes to Old Sparky in Sing Sing. Before he died, Augusta sent him a fruit basket. Oh,
2: for fuck's sake.
1: In time (laughs) for Christmas.
2: Nice, with some lovely cherries in there.
1: Yes, I'm sure (laughs) there were cherries. And a letter asking him to find peace with the Lord. Oh, you can fuck off. He tore the letter up.
2: Yeah, I can well imagine.
1: Augusta was found guilty of manslaughter, as I said. Augusta was sentenced to fifteen years, but she was released after just under ten years. Mm. She went on to open a, a fancy goods store.
2: <laughs> no, everyone loves some fancy goods.
1: Fancy Goods in New York, but she had uh, she changed her name. She lived in anonymity for a while until another torso murder was committed in new york and there was a similar crime and people tracked her down <laughs> uh and then said what do you think of all of this she's like fuck off
2: fuck off or um, pay me shit, loads of money well they well
1: she ended up bankrupt yeah and sort of disappeared from public life later on after the trial finished uh Gondolseppi's coffin there was a viewing of his coffin which ten thousand people attended <laughs> and it had a glass top oh god mm. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's just morbid, isn't it? It's Just like a glass top. Oh, look, a man with no head. (laughs)
1: Look, I bet I could work out where his (laughs) head is. It should be noted that during this investigation, rewards were offered to find the head. I have no doubt. And people were out scouring the countryside. Children were looking through woodland and, come on, kids, let's find the head. But they never found it. Never found the head. Lots of postscripts to this story, but the final thing that I liked about it is that bullets were found in the Woodside Cottage. The gun had been fired. Those were turned into scarf pins by the DA. Oh
2: god. Wow.
1: <laughs> so there you go. That, that makes... is the story of the scattered not Dutchman, <laughs> William <laughs> Gundelseppi.
2: That is a excellent fucking story. <laughs> That's really oh I like that story. it's, quite, it's all it's all everything going on
1: there. I know. <laughs> Again, mad. it's it's a mad story. Um, as I said, there's 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 resources and, and a great book written by Paul Collins. And other bits of bits of pieces that you can find on the internet, written at the time, written later on, and it's just insane when you look at the amount of hearsay and hyperbole yeah. that was used. Some of the, the newspaper reports that were put out at the time when they had no... They didn't even know he'd been murdered. They didn't even know who was involved and people writing whole pieces about, we're pretty sure it was the mafia, yep, and we think (laughs) it was a dinner party. And we're going to set the scene. The dinner party was sitting and they had a glass of wine and someone insulted his woman and he was shot and killed and cut up because that's what the mafia do. And they put that out as yeah, a story.
2: Absolutely, <laughs> But people out there lapping it up going, bring it on. I want 12 <laughs> copies of that paper. Oh, there's a lockout. Oh, Augusta. Oh, Augusta. You're, you're a sneaky bitch. <laughs> she is up there at the bastardometer.
1: <laughs> Apparently so. just very, very, very stoic. Very just kind of like, yeah. no, no. Knew exactly what she was doing. Probably didn't. Yeah, I, I can see her
2: not killing him herself. But encouraging.
1: There was there was a theory, I think Paul Collins wrote the, the theory about it that that she had actually stabbed him mm. and that he that that Thorne had shot him in the head, and finished him off. But that she had been far more involved in the killing. Yeah. That she'd actually lured him to his cottage. Oh, I can and, well
2: imagine her luring him yeah, to the cottage. But and she'd stabbed him. And the there were there were
1: knife marks on his body. Okay, there weren't so there really was some stabbing going on. They, yeah. Sort of and people didn't really acknowledge it. It was never mm. really brought up in great detail at the trials and stuff like that it was just assumed that one story we're just going to accept thorn's story or augusta's kind of defense but Mm. it's possible that some people think that you know she got involved and she she stabbed him and then thorn shot him or you know it is as she said that she sent him upstairs yeah let thorn do the dirty work
2: yeah exactly i i I get that sort of vibe from her let someone else do the dirty work yeah being the sort of scheming the well, the planning yeah. the planning cunning person behind it and let other people do the dirty work mm. type of thing
1: and yeah this this nasty implication that that she was performing abortions performed abortions and, and which people had die yeah
2: and then yeah she's got someone else to dispose of the bodies the undertaker or something like that to, yeah to pay them off to get rid of the evidence or something like that I I mean I can well imagine she was probably provided abortion as well as a, as a service. That's, I mean, so oh, many women yeah. so wives did, really.
1: But for a, hu- you know, for, for a tidy sum. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, shagged everyone who lodged with but her. shagged like, everyone. Literally. Like, I like. Mean, and she wasn't... She. It doesn't matter. It's the personality that counts. It doesn't seem like she had much of a personality. She wasn't a looker. But she was, a, she was pleasing yet repellent. Pleasing yet repellent. Which but is... It,
2: but it obviously did something for the, the guys. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there we go. a nice torso murder. who doesn't have a torso murder? Bits of torso. There was some thought that the murder had happened within or the disposal of the body had happened like like half an hour before it they were found, yeah, literally it just they they that threw went. them in the river and then everyone what's this
2: <laughs> so you do that and you're not plan. you've not planned that far you're just disposing of something you catch the tide wrong or something and then yeah absolutely it's yeah. right there there it is it's on the beach
1: also don't want to give people tips use rocks rocks rocks, rocks are a good idea yeah. the human head weighs a lot that will sink everything else no 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 no, no. yeah famously we float a lot, a lot of
2: floatiness going on there absolutely yeah. It's interesting to think the head is still out there somewhere.
1: It's still out there, in the plaster
2: Paris. Yes, in in Place of Paris and oilcloth and things. Mm. And they still, dragged the river a lot. Still preserved. On someone's bookshelf, maybe. Maybe. On their mantelpiece. Ooh,
0: maybe, maybe.
1: <laughs> there were rewards offered right, left and centre in the newspapers of information. Can you tell us this? $1,000, $5,000, 500 quid, everything. Yeah, mm. well, dollars. But it did the journal no harm. Huh? Wow, yeah. absolutely. What do you think? people what do you think of the story of william gundalsepi of augusta knack of this crime who do you think was responsible do you think it was more augusta do you think it was thorn whose version of events do you believe and what do you think of the journalism at the time do you have a favorite kind of sensationalist journalism (laughs) or articles that you like to read because this really is that sort of territory what would you do to get a good story Anything. Who would you pose as? Anyone. <laughs> Jump on the comments of this episode, wherever you listen to this podcast. Tell us what you think. Leave your thoughts, leave your comments, send us messages, send us more suggestions of stories. But most importantly, you got to mix up a New York Minute. Oh,
2: yeah. That went down a treat.
1: Mm, delicious. That was
2: damn good. So, yeah, the recipe will be out this evening. So... Very, very exciting to give that a go. And say so it's got it's not got anything weird in there. No. It's got stuff that you will have in your cupboards. So yeah, absolutely. Give it a go.
1: It's nice to constantly be surprised. Yeah, by absolutely. Three ingredients. Uh, three main ingredients plus three main, bitters. Uh, three main ingredients and a bit
2: of sugar and some bitters.
1: I would never have put those together. Yeah, I never absolutely. go tequila, red vermouth, maraschino, and yet. And yet, here we are. Settle in with one of those, perfect for the winter season. And yes, next week is gonna be our Christmas episode. So, as we Is approach it? Christmas, to- well, okay. it's, it's before Christmas, Nick. <laughs> Well, it might be Christmas themed. (laughs) Or it might just be by the way, it's Christmas. Let's drink. (laughs) We usually have a couple of drinks for the Christmas one. But that will be coming out. Then we'll take a tiny, tiny break for the seasonal period. But we're over on Patreon if you want more episodes every week. And please drop us a message if you have more story suggestions and leave us a review on Apple iTunes if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoners Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember Your loved ones are trying to kill you